started buying corn in the farm supply business, and the community offered no real job opportunities for a family like ours. In order to pay what we owed, we faced the prospect of selling all our land, some of which had been in our family for 150 years, and perhaps taking out a mortgage on our only home. Even then, we had no assurance that we could raise enough cash to avoid an embarrassing bankruptcy. Our despair was even more acute because we realized that our daughter, Amy, would soon be going off to school, leaving just the two of us alone. We would be left without the full and lively home that we had enjoyed with our children since we returned to Plains from the U.S. Navy in 1953. There were other reasons as well why moving from Washington back to our home in Plains was not a pleasant experience. It was not easy to forget about the past, overcome our fear of the future, and concentrate on the present. In this small and tranquil place, it was natural for us to assume, like other retirees, that our productive lives were about over. Like many other involuntary retirees, we had to overcome our distress and make the most of the situation. When one of our friends pointed out that more than a third of American men in my age group were retired, and that we could expect to live until we were 80 years old, I had one disturbing reaction. What was I going to do? the next 25 years. We soon had a stroke of financial luck when a major agricultural firm decided at that time to expand their dominant position in the corn and soybean business to include peanuts. They bought Carter's Warehouse and six other similar sites in Georgia and Alabama to give them an adequate supply of their new product. In addition, I negotiated a contract with a publisher for my presidential memoir. The combined income helped us save our land and our home. We felt that nothing could replace the four more years that I had anticipated spending as the nation's president. Rosen was especially bitter and angry, unable to accept with equanimity the result of the 1980 election. I tried to think of some positive aspects of our lives, emphasizing that we had accomplished many things during my administration and always had done our best, but nothing I said or did could induce her to look to the future with any pleasure or confidence. For a while, we just paused and contemplated our lives. To pass the time, we laid down a floor in our attic, became reacquainted with our farmland, and jogged or took long bike rides to the countryside, stopping to visit at the homes of our friends of past years. And then, after a few weeks, I was suddenly busy, with at least a year's work of writing my memoirs, but only after reading for the first time, the diary notes that I had dictated each day while I was president. There were 6,000 pages, and they brought back vivid memories, some exhilarating, some bittersweet. I guess anyone rereading one's own diary of bygone times would have similar feelings. Rosen also decided to write her autobiography, and we slowly developed a more positive attitude, but we still didn't know what we would do with our remaining years. One of our most valuable assets was a strong and supportive family. Most of them had been closely involved in our political campaigns and our work in the governor's mansion and in the White House. All of them shared our political disappointment, but they, as well as Rosen and I, also benefited from being a close-knit team. Our two mothers and other relatives were still in Plains, which had been our only real home since we were born, and they helped make it easy for us to immerse ourselves in the affairs of the community. The following year, I accepted a few speaking engagements, 
including one in Hawaii to the Young President Organization, and a five-nation tour through Western Europe. I was surprised and encouraged by the friendly reception and the interest of the audiences in what I had to say. It was not easy, but eventually we gathered enough courage to assess our talents, experience, and potential influence in affecting some of the social and political issues in which we were still interested. We finally made a major decision to try to explore completely new commitments. We had done it several times when we were younger. Why not now? The first thing we had to do was to answer some basic questions that confront millions of other retirees. How could we accommodate the unpleasant circumstances that had been forced on us? What were our assets and liabilities? What were the dependable factors in a good life? And how could we recognize and develop them? Was it at all possible for us to...